Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and culture podcast. I'm Rosa and tonight I'm joined by Billy, Charlie, Tom and a very special guest, friend of the pod, Tara. Guys, here we are. We've run, we've walked and let's face it, we've crawled to the sort of finish line. Phase one of this stupid, crazy season is complete. Some scary shit is happening at the top of the table, but we are not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the ridiculous game we all witnessed on Saturday. But first, we've got to throw this over to you, Tara, because we had to get you on the pod as soon as you told us who you sat next to on Saturday, who you witnessed that wild roller coaster with. Can you tell us all about it? Yes. Hello, guys. Um, well, I was at the game in my normal seat, but in the second half, a seat a few rows back from me, I sit in the lower west with the south stand just to my right, in line with the pen penalty area um, and sort of just to the right of the uh, of Conte on the bench um, he said he had a spare seat a few rows back so I went and sat next to my mate and that's where all the friends and family get put um, so I've seen Bergwin's mum and dad there the day that he scored that goal you know in his debut against Man City going mad I've seen Richardson's family there um, so I sat there and they said it was half time, so when they get back, there's these two girls. We reckon that they're relate, you know, they're Italian. Something to do with the coaching staff. Can you suss it out for us, Tara? So they came back in. These two ladies that probably they came back in ten minutes late or so. You know, they weren't there for the start of the second half. And I was looking at them, giving them the side eye, trying to work out who they were. They, I was thinking they might be, uh, you know, one of sort of the one of the coaching staff, I didn't think it would be Conte's wife. And the, but the more I looked at her and I, I didn't want to Google or anything in the middle of the match, but I thought, hmm, yeah. Anyway, but the match in the second half was so crazy. There's no way I was, I wasn't even that bothered, to be honest. I was just going Michigan at what was happening in, in the match in front of me. Um, 
But she was so lovely. I only found out it was 100% her at the end of the match, but she was so lovely. I sat next to her and she was to my right. And every time we scored, she, we both were, were cuddling, we were kissing. Uh, in the last few minutes, um, we held hands till the whistle went. Um, at the end of the match, she was high-fiving everyone around and then she gave me a kiss on each cheek, like really Italian style. Um, and I love this. I love this so much. You basically have. Because basically it, sounds, have. it sounds like they're the same person, essentially. Well, basically, I... she's been with Conte and I've been with her. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> Can I ask a question, Tara? And this is going to sound really creepy, but I don't really care. Did she smell very sort of luxurious? <gasps> no, very I sort knew it's a bit. She looks like Italian. She yeah, she looks like she would smell fragrant, but I didn't. I didn't smell anything good or bad on her. But <laughs> she was wearing right. She was wearing chunky white trainers, jeans, so casual but classy. And I think she had a, I think, I didn't look properly. I think she had like a leather jacket on. Um, her hair was very nice. Um, and um, she, she, what else what was I going to say about her? Oh, yeah, a bit of an exclusive here that I didn't put on Twitter. <laughs> At half-time, she came back and she was with her friend, her mate next door, who was also very smiley and friendly. And they were on, she got on her phone and I looked. And she had the league table up on the phone and she was going Tottingham and she checked that where they were in the league table <laughs> at half time. Oh my God. I love her. I love her so much. I love, I love this for us. I love this for you. What an incredible and experience. Like she is us. She is yes, us. But this is incredible. The fact is, she was really excited and celebrating properly, but she was also calm. And I just think this is what we want because we know our manager, he's, far from calm and um you can just see they're the perfect match can i just um ask one question did she, yeah. did, she did she cheer when emerson Royale got substituted i really <laughs> no 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 i honestly i'd love to sort of spread spread a scurrilous rumor but no she didn't she was she was um sort of class personified she only did you know, she only sort of celebrated the positive stuff. But I remember before I really clocked that it was her, I was singing Antonio, and I thought afterwards I was a bit embarrassed thinking that's did a bit she also sing, Did she sing that as well? That would be a bit No, weird, no, no, yeah. she actually, she did not sing it. She did not sing it. But I do think that, you know, she sat there again, we'd definitely become best friends. <laughs> I don't think this is over. I think this is just the start. Sure do you think? I love no, I love this as well. You're living through, like, when... Back in the day, and Charlie and Billy will remember this, I had this whole thing where, like, Marine Larice was going to be my best friend because I just, like, followed her on Instagram and thought she was, like, very cool and French. And I feel like you are now going to live my dream belatedly. This is perfect. <laughs> well, the, the, the little boy who I sat next to on my left, he is a um, very sweet boy in my, in my lives on my road. Hi, Sam. And he he's... Um, in the same class as Larice's at school as Larice's daughter. And he told me the other day, he, Larice came in for a concert at school and they were all told that under no circumstances were any of the kids to go up and talk to Larice. And if they did, they'd get detention on Friday. Oh, I hope that didn't come from Hugo himself. That would be a bit uh, tight, wouldn't it? 
no, 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 no. I'm sure that was just the school trying to make him feel comfortable. But like, I did think it must be so weird being like the kid of a famous footballer. Mm. I mainly love- what, oh, sorry, Tom, you go. I was just going to say, mainly what I'm getting from this is that it feels like there is now a chance for me to still potentially be best friends with Marine. Just hope is alive again. Hope <laughs> is like much, much like our season, Tom. <laughs> I love that you were um, singing her husband's name while stood next to her as well. Like it must be an unusual sensation hearing kind of 60,000 people give or take uh, singing singing your husband's name also when you said uh, you turned and looked in her hand I thought you were going to say she'd snuck in a bottle of Pinot Grigio or something no, that was that was me I always have whiskey in my handbag <laughs> you should have offered her some <laughs> she, yeah she's but been at Spurs for a year not- now she'd probably appreciate it it was it's kind of amazing and sort of upsetting at the same time to know that she has been infected by Tottenham to such a degree that she's left sort of <laughs> looking at the league table at half time to know. figure out how what bad a mood her husband in. might be in. <laughs> oh my god. It was great though. It was it was a really bizarre but wonderful sort of uh, experience of, you know to top the actual match which was obviously very weird and topsy-turvy and mad and crazy and in the end, fabulous. Yeah, how did you feel about it, Tara? Because I, like, at half time, I was talking with my friends, Sean and Kath, and I was like, to be honest, I could see this being a 4-3. And I didn't know which way that 4-3 was going to go, obviously. Um, but obviously it ended up being in our favour. I felt like roller coaster as it was, it also had that ridiculous end of season feel. It was just like who, whichever players could be sort of bothered the most on the day were going to win. But I don't know how you felt. Well, I, it's weird because at the beginning of the match, I sort of honest, genuinely thought, oh, I wonder if they'll do a parade at the end, like uh, at the end of the match, because it felt like an end of season. Maybe in like Santa outfits or something. Yeah, it's really <laughs> strange. Um, I actually thought there'd be a lot of goals in the game. Having watched the Leeds-Bournemouth game the week before, I knew that they were very suspect at the back. I hoped that we wouldn't be, (laughs) but alas. Um, So I did keep thinking, and actually we played well. Even in the first half, I never thought we deserved to be behind at any point in the match. Um, And... Um, but I, I, I don't know if I actually expected at 80 minutes that we would win the match, but I did, have, I did think that we'd get something out of it. I thought the first half was, aside from the two moments of sort of defensive <laughs> nonsense, were actually the most sort of controlled, consistently kind of progressive, attacking, looking that Spurs have been in the first half for quite a long time. I don't know if that... And Tara, perhaps you agree with me. Anyone else? Like, I, thought, I thought we looked... Pretty good. I don't really no. feel like. <laughs> I think this might be coming off the fact of you kind. You've watched it back, right? Yeah. So yeah, Knowing... I should say it was my wife's. It was my wife's birthday, so I couldn't go. So we were out for lunch. I was exceptional lunch company, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, uh, particularly as I was with my my Arsenal supporting in laws as well, who were actually being very reasonable and telling me, "Don't worry, you'll win. You'll win." And I was oh, being, that's even worse. I was being all sulky. Mm, I was like, no, we mm, won't. Need to, sorry for you to like, say oh, that. You're you, top you of the table. Win. You can have a win. <laughs> no, here's it off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I watched the whole thing back on, on Spurs play using the uh, full match replay facility. And um, I, so, yeah, with the in the sort of cold light of 
glorious victory on my back. It was, I thought the first half was, was good. Um, but I can appreciate, you know, conceding those goals and whatever might not. Yeah, like it didn't really moment. feel like that at the time. I know what you mean in that we we did seem to have more sort of attacking purpose. It was just like nothing was really working. I think it was very clear to me that even those players who thought, who had been kind of putting 100% even up to the end, like Benton Cor and Hoybier, even those two by this point were like, I don't know if I really want to do this. They like, were a bit all, raggedy. All of they? They're, they're very ragged. ragged. All of Benson Cor's passes were pretty much like not coming off at all. And like, it doesn't matter because he scored two goals. So that's fine. And just everybody, I think obviously the defense was a much, much, much bigger problem, but just everybody was pretty chaotic really. And I don't think there was any, it didn't feel at all controlled. I think ultimately we won because we have slightly, well, a lot better players, really. Like we have Benson Core and they don't probably. Speaking, I don't know how- of, speaking of our better players, I want to break a podcast record by mentioning Harry Kane before like 45 minutes. Um, Let's do it. I thought he was terrific. Like just that, I think one of the best things about Harry Kane is his ability to draw fouls, like really silly fouls of opposition players when they really don't want to give away a foul. And he just knows how to position himself and just draw the contact. He was doing that all game just to sort of kill moments of, you know, Leeds looking dangerous or when we we needed to drag ourselves up the pitch. It was a real sort of, I know he's not our captain, unlike what everyone in the whole world thinks, but he, that was a real captain's performance, I think, considering in a week's time, he's going to be captaining England into a World Cup and can be breaking England's goal scoring record and all the rest of it. I thought, you know, the guy hasn't missed a minute of football in the Premier League and he's, you know, we just need to commend him because I thought his effort levels were just outrageously high and quality as well. Um, so, yeah, that's our podcast record, record broken for a Harry Kane mentioned before the hour mark. That's amazing. And I feel sort of really like mean, slightly disagreeing with you because Did I didn't think, really, I really? really just didn't feel like anyone was kind of top tier on the day. But again, that just may have been like the vibe of the day and being there and kind of, I don't think you're going to come away from a game thinking anybody played super well when you're like constantly behind up until like the a second minute or whatever. Well, we, Tara, I think you and I were probably were we the only ones who was there. Tom, you had like, child care situations all weekend but did you watch it my wife was away on uh for work and so i was at a third year old's birth a three-year-old's birthday party um shout out imogen happy third birthday um with my two-year-old and so it wasn't an ideal condition to follow it oh and then he had a stomach i don't want to get too graphic but he had a stomach bug during the the third birthday party so that was I was having a lot of fun on Saturday afternoon essentially but um I've watched various bits of highlights back match of the day and stuff I just want to shout out Kulu to be honest um because you know two Premier League games back and two assists and he the Ben Davis one he sort of made did it rebound off kind of rebounded out to Davis who hit a very nice long-range shot I know uh Rosa will be pleased about that. But yeah, like Tulu just changes everything, doesn't he? Thank mm. God. Thank God he's back. And him and um, Benton Kerr are just the smartest buys ever. It seems weird that they've only been with us 
sort of 10 months. And I think even Kulu didn't play until like well into February or something. But those two were just unbelievable again. In the flesh, how good was that? How good was that Kulisevsky performance? Like getting to sort of watch him dart down the wing live. I'm so, so gutted I didn't see that performance. Oh, he was right in front of me. In second half, he's always right in front of me. It's, he, it really does remind me of sort of that Gazza-esque moment. I, I saw Gazza um, and, and just that bit when he gets the ball and he, he drops his shoulder and you just, it, it doesn't matter who's defending him. He somehow manages to get past them and it's really silky and it's just, I just obsessed with him at the moment. And um I read today that he's got a better assist per game ratio than De Bruyne. Wow. Yes. These these are the stats I'm into. This is what I want. <laughs> my, um, so, woo! One's I in our favour. I was talking to my dad about him today and he was saying that he, he really reminds him of um uh, of Chris Waddle in mm. that sense that he's not the quickest and what he does is on the face of it, relatively straightforward and that a lot of the time it is just dropping the shoulder, sort of going on the outside or coming in on the inside. There's not, you know, too many sort of step overs or anything, you know, too sort of fifery. It's just all quite old fashioned wing play, but you just can't stop him. And Waddle had that sort of directness to him. Tara, you were mentioning to me before we got on that the sort of 80s pomp of those teams was something you kind of got to watch in your fledgling Spurs days. Is that a, is that a reasonable comparison, do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, Hot Waddle, I loved Waddle so much. Um, he broke my, he was the, my first heartbreak, really, oh. because I remember when he got sold, my dad came in to tell me he was sold. I think it was to build the East Stand. And... <laughs> I swear to God, I didn't get out of bed for 24 hours. I was <laughs> so devastated. I loved Chris Waddle so much. But I he was a bit now. more. I should have brought this up. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. I'm over it now. I'm over it. But he was a bit more languid, a player. Um, and he always looked quite. He looked, he looked like he wasn't trying and he looked quite a bit lazy as a player. He wasn't, it was just his style. He always like, his socks were always down and he was always like, he just, just, um, I don't know, just, he didn't look like he was in the game until he got the ball and then he went down the wing. He was absolutely beautiful player. I don't really, doesn't really remind me that much of Cooley. Sorry, your daddy. But um, he's a Millwall fan. He doesn't know anything. If he he does (laughs) the same, you know, if he reaches Waddle's potential, for me, but just don't sell him to Marseille. <laughs> I think that's more of a Benson Court vibe, really. That sort of casual, mm. languid kind Dilky. of. I don't, I don't look like I'm trying that hard, but oh look, here I am, just kind of casually controlling a game. And that combination, basically. Do you know what? Because we were sort of discussing this a little bit um, in our sort of group chats. And, and Charlie, you've literally put on our running order, like that's a game that kind of sums up our season. But like that winning goal kind of sums up our season so far, right? The combination. Those yeah. are our two best players. They are currently what make us tick. Tom. Um, what um, Tara was saying as well, I sit um, in the south stand in line with that corner flag um, on your side, on the, the uh, southwest side. So um, when Kulu picks up the ball on the line in the second half and he's flying towards you, like the whole that the whole crowd just 
like get so excited and he's just so smart and calm on the ball isn't he the cutback for the fourth goal when you're when plenty of other players would have fluffed it because they're under so much pressure um yeah it was just brilliant and yeah Rod- god rodrigo what is that four goals in nine games or something now smart yeah and before- it as, ma- as many as he's got in like 245 career goes before no one expected him to be a goal scorer at all. And um, thank God he is because Son and Richie uh, haven't contributed many. Can we go back to the winning goal just really quickly? Because that Always, touch, it's beautiful. That touch that Kulu takes to get past Cooper or whoever it was. Just And Tom, you mentioned how smart a player he is. I feel like that touch, you almost sort of like, you can see him doing the sort of like geometry or like the angles of like, right, if I just... If I touch it to this exact place, that's the exact point where the defender cannot, if he's going to touch me, it's a penalty. It's the exact right weight of touch so that it's not going to, the keeper can't come and collect the ball or it's not obviously going to go, go off the pitch or anything. It's just absolutely perfect. And I just cannot believe that we got him for the money we got him for. can't believe there was no competition. I can't believe Juventus sort of gave up on him so quickly. Mad. And so, sorry, right. The reason I haven't said anything so far is because I had like an absolute nightmare on Saturday. So um, <laughs> I, was, I'm, I sold my ticket to the game for a party that eventually was cancelled, which was one thing. And then like I was had to go into town to pick up some prescription medicine, and I left like an hour early to get back in time to watch the game on the stream. Didn't realise because it was fucking November. My town had a like Christmas parade on. And uh, I was literally stuck in traffic for an hour, like in, getting increasingly angry that I was getting closer and closer to kickoff. I got to got to the doctors, got to the car park, and put in our group chat, "How are we playing?" Rosa replied, <laughs> "Playing really well." And then, literally, instantly, seconds later, oh, we, ignore that we've just conceded. Um, so that was like my only interaction with the first half of the of the game. And then I'm like on the way back in traffic. Um, and end up pretty much missing the whole game. But what I did see, I don't know if you guys saw, is that amazing interview with Kudosevsky after the game with Ben Haynes, uh, where he's kind of like narrating the fourth goal. And he says, basically, he planned it out in his head. Like he was screaming at uh, Darrington Sanchez to pass the ball to Kane because he knew if he passed to Kane, then he would be in space to be on his own. And then like, he just narrates that goal and he basically visualised it all in his head before. Um, and he's just like, and I'm, like, his football IQ is unbelievable. So yeah, I did not see any of the game. Um, but I heard that Emerson Royale was so good that he got cheered as he was leaving the pitch. So that's, you know, getting the plaudits there. But we need um, to talk about yeah. that, don't we? We, we need, need to talk, talk about that. that. Yeah. How, um, so, so was he really, so was his performance that good that he got an ovation as he left? Absolutely. You've, you've got it in one. Oh, Emerson. Do you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Tara, but I thought it was really unnecessary and brutal. And I've talked about this before and I don't, I just, I don't, like booing I find it really counterproductive and I like specifically don't like it when it's directed at a player who is quite clearly like trying they're trying and also the boos and the jeers start immediately and it obviously makes him it just would make any player more nervous you have to have like you know like you have to be made of ice to not be affected by that really and it kind of all culminated in that sort of awful moment where this I think this for me summed it up right so like Ben Davies like created like two great chances and the first was you know across it like no one was there to meet it and the second time he cuts it back to Emerson which is obviously not a 
great decision. Like it's a great ball, but to the wrong guy. And Emerson balloons it over the bar. But I'm like, guys, Emerson was there. <laughs> he was like the only one who was actually there. He just can't score. Um, the crowd in general was sort of good, at, like brutal to Emerson, I think. How did you feel about it, Tara? Well, he he had quite a good shot just before he did the balloon. Um, well, the goal he made a save at the uh, at, at the far post. It was a decent shot, and then he had the terrible balloon, and it just it, re- it reminded everyone of was it at the Amex Stadium where it went out the stadium, the ball. Uh, oh yeah. And then so that was just, uh, and then I don't know if you remember he did this. He crossed. He did a cross midfield. And it went straight to, I mean, it could, it was one of the worst crosses I've ever seen. I do remember. I wish I didn't, but I do remember. Because it was, it was just one of those things where it was harder to get it wrong mm. than to get yeah. it right. Yeah. And I think, but I think that might have been because of, you know, the stress of then having everyone, when he missed that shot, the stadium atmosphere was so toxic. Do you boo, I think, you boo Tara? Are you a booer or not? No, I haven't booed this season. I have booed in the past, but not at a player. I mean, not mm. at a Spurs player. I've booed, booed plenty of collective uh, opposing players. <laughs> um, but um, no, I haven't. I haven't booed. Um, and actually, I, I didn't hear any boos for him. But he was. He was. It was the subs when he was substituted. It was like we were bringing on Messi instead of Doherty. I do, um, I do really feel for the guy as well because if Tottenham were a, um, were a school, then uh, Emerson Royale would be in the year above Kudoseski and Spence. He's only like, I think he's six months older than Spence and a few months less than a year older than Kudoseski. Like he's a young guy. He's not. I think there's like this perception of him that he's sort of um, signed from Barcelona. He's like a, a, I don't know. He doesn't seem to get like the same um, leeway that our other young players get. Like he's not. He's barely even older than Spence, who has seen like this big prospect that we're sort of under under playing or whatever. And I, I feel really sorry for him. Like, you know, um, he's not good enough to play for us. Like, there's no question about it. Um, and I but, think he's not good enough to play at wing back. I think that's always no, the key yeah. thing where I, de- where I will defend him is like he was signed to be a right back. And I think we've all seen in the last 12 months, there is a huge, huge difference between playing as a full back and being played as a Antonio Conte wing back where you're expected to be a sort of 100-metre sprinter, you're expected to get on the end of crosses, you're expected to put in crosses, you're expected to mark usually the most sort of dangerous player on the opposition team, up and down, up and down, up and down for 90 minutes. And it is really, really hard. And I just don't think he is a specialist wing-back whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, we need to move on from him starting every week, surely. That's, we do, we do, we, he needs to, we do need to move on from him without doubt. But, you know, he's a young guy, he's like... He's got a personality. He's got like a bit about him. Where he's obviously, you know, we joke about it all the time. But you know, he's got his compilation thing. But he's like, he's taken English lessons to try and like learn the country. He's like very popular among the other teammates. Like, I feel really sorry for him at this point. And I, I just, I also feel like maybe the sort of the responsibility is now of Conte to just not be, be playing him because like it's like feeding him to the lions at this point. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't. I just feel bad for him. I just don't think we can play him anymore. Do you know what I'm? I um, I something else happened on Saturday <laughs> that means I think there's still a way back for Emerson because you you guys know I love a redemption arc and I'm sticking to this one <laughs> even if we never get to the end of it. 
um, Davinson Sanchez. Excellent. Excellent on Saturday. Apart not so from that, much like, for the third goal. I thought he was much. a bit, he left him alone quite a bit, right? I would, not, I would not make him like culpable for God. What I would say is the first minute he came on and he immediately gave away a free kick in a super dangerous position. So that wasn't great. And he did have a couple of other wobbles. Going forward, magnificent. Let's just put him on that bit of the pitch instead. Just take him away from the danger zone and then he will <laughs> flourish. <laughs> I feel like I need some clarity here because I have not seen, I, like I said, I haven't seen any of this match. Like, And I've seen these video. I've seen this video, I've seen a video online. Of, I was watching the goal highlights, one thing, and I was like, is that Sanchez like leading the play from to into the, the final third? And then I saw this other compilation that someone's posted where it's like his build up play. Like, was he just like roaming forward and like getting forward and stuff? Like, what and a bit Romero, I think, didn't he? Yeah, correct. And you know what? If like, since we can't rely on Romero anymore, look, he's, he's like, look, here I am. I'm your guy. I may not be able to like defend all that well, but I'm at least, a, you know, a body. <laughs> And I can like roam up the pitch. I think it's brilliant. So I think there's just there's always a way back. I know Maybe we we've un- just been playing him in the wrong place the whole time. Maybe he's actually our Eric's in my playtime and not <laughs> anywhere near the defence. With with Romero, then there were photos of him training with Argentina. Were they taken or literally on Saturday while we were playing? He certainly wasn't at the stadium, was he? Like he wasn't in the. Because I feel like there were loads of pictures from the weekend of like Sonny and all the sort of injured lads, but so, like Romero's nowhere to be seen, old Cootie, as we're expected yeah. to call him, in all a cutesy <laughs> way, which I refuse to do now. No, thank Never you. again. You he are went, to... you are Mr. Romero to me. <laughs> he, so he went a well weeks ago, and yet Son, who has just had an operation on his cheek, is there. Like the videos of him going crazy at the fourth goal. Fractured his cheek in four places because yeah. his eye socket in four places. That's and hardcore. He, he's there living every kick. Um, Looking his, divine as well with that oh. incredible Burberry cardigan. Wonderful what a cardigan stuff. that is. Uh, what I mean, he's already having an amazing pre-World Cup, isn't he, in terms of promo. The Adidas advert that came out today was amazing. Yeah, the well. L career cover as well. He looked absolutely sensational. Oh, Please come back and be good, Sonny. I'm... It's been heartbreaking, Tara. Hasn't it just been like, oh, watching Sonny so far this season? It's been so hard. Yeah, apart from the, obviously, the Crystal Palace match when I managed to miss two of his three goals. I don't oh, the, know Le- how. the Leicester one, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, um, I was so happy for him. But, um, but the good news is he can't stay this bad for long. That's it. That's, I mean, he just can't. He is a fantastic elite player. They don't just go no. bad, apart from Deli Ali. <laughs> and that, yeah, that was, yeah, we, yeah we've, we've covered that enough on this podcast. We shouldn't stray on onto Deli, uh, Deli sadness, I guess. Billy? Uh, this is what I mean about perception, yeah. So you've got Romero, who will be at Argentina, like literally... He'd leave at half time of one of our games to get straight into Argentina if he could. And then you got Emerson Royale, who purposely, I believe, purposely got sent off in his last game for Brazil just so he could come back to Tottenham sooner. And has spent the last six months playing so bad that he had no chance of being called up for Brazil just so he could spend more time at Tottenham. So when we talk about perception, that's what we need to bear in mind. Yeah, I'm with you. We just want commitment. I don't I don't care like what shape or form it arrives. I just I just need to know that you want to be at Tottenham, basically. Yeah, we've got a... Do we have a Romero problem? 
Or is this going to be less wait and see after the World Cup? Like he owes us big time, right? I mean, he's played, what was that stat? He's played 56% of his games since he's joined. I mean, I'm always wary when it comes to particularly the injury stuff, because some players just, you know, you can't help if some arsehole opposition player like breaks your leg or whatever. It's not always your fault at all, but it has been one thing after another with him. And I do also think that his form before this latest injury wasn't the best his of his Spurs career. And he, you know, hasn't quite looked his imperious self this season, I would say. I thought sort of towards the back end of last year before he got injured for the last few games. It's always injuries with him, isn't it? Um, he was incredible. And I don't think he's quite hit those levels yet, personally. Obviously, and I think... Um, oh, you go, Tom. You go, Tom. I was just going to say, obviously, this like godforsaken World Cup has is just made the entire season so strange, right? But Romero's not the only one who kind of needs to hit the ground running in the second mm. half of the season, right? With uh, like Sonny Romero and then Richarlison as well, who obviously I love and want to love, but we haven't had a league goal from him yet. So. Yeah, eleven appearances, no goals. I feel like it's kind of gone under the radar a bit. Richarlison's sort of, I guess, because that Marseille home game where he scored the two headers was so glorious, and he, you know, there were the tears afterwards, and it felt like he'd arrived. And then I also guess that that Fulham goal that got disallowed felt so much like a goal that that sort of half counts, but. And then I suppose, you know, he was just playing out on the right wing for a long time, wasn't he? Where he just never, ever looked like he was going to score. And I don't think it's his best position. But what's, what's Tara, have you been, where are you with Richie so far? Oh, no, I really like him. I remember when they were talking about signing him and it was just the romero Richarlison clash at Everton that was in my head. And I was like, no, I, I don't want him. He's trouble. I don't like him. I really always hated him when he played for Everton. But now, as soon as he became ours, it's so fickle. I really, really, really got him. <laughs> and he's a bit like, he's like a big child, he is. He's, he's just like a, he wears his emotions, you know, right there on his, on his sleeve. I really, I really like him. And I really think that he will be fine. I think I'm, I'm, I'm convinced he'll be fine. Um, I'm, I'm really I, hoping we look back and a lot of these players and it, it is just basically this ridiculous World Cup that has been... Mm you know, that has been the sort of weird thing that has prevented them from hitting top form. It feels like that, right? I think yeah. so, because I think um, with the players that we've bought as well, we've got, they're sort of divided into two camps as far as I'm concerned. I'll sort of leave Spence out of it, I guess, because he sort of exists in a sort of weird, like, does he really exist or is he at this point just a figment of like Spurs Twitter's imagination? But we've either got like the Benton, Benton Cora and Kulisevsky crew who just kind of slotted in straight away and have been brilliant and have also and Kulu's been able to come back from injury straight away and it's not been a problem and then we've got Basuma and Richarlison who've just taken time you know and Basuma now is like completely settled as far as I'm concerned and Richarlison I think he would have been there or thereabouts had he not been injured and I think we're sort of scarred obviously by the kind of ghosts of can you be scarred by a ghost I don't know I'm making a horrible mess of this but we are we've had we've been very very hurt before by strikers who have not flourished at Tottenham Hotspur you know when you're talking about um forwards who score goals and cry and we think that's it it's gonna happen for us and then it really really didn't 
<laughs> we've been particularly traumatized in that regard but I do really believe that he's going to do it and I think he really he impressed me a lot on Saturday like he didn't play that well but he worked so hard he like chased down balls he didn't have any right to be getting mm. especially like literally the World Cup starts next week and he is and I, know, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have blamed him he's Brazil's number nine like this is you know for if you're a Brazilian and you're a forward and you're from you know very humble origins like Richardson the idea of being at 25 years old, going into a World Cup as your, you know, as your country, as your, as their leading forward is an extraordinary thing. And, you know, the mental block that I imagine some of these guys have had around like, oh, I really, really want to give my all for my club, but there's this enormous thing. Like, I just don't think we can understand. And it's annoying. And the Romero stuff has become this like, you know, outsized kind of cartoonish situation where he's become a bit of a villain because of it. But I think for guys like Richarlison, you can't, you know, we can't dismiss it. It's a real thing. Yeah, and I think we have to bear in mind as well that he hasn't played a single game as striker for us. Like we, when, I remember when we, he joined, we were talking about like um, how we're happy because it's finally like a name big enough to bench Harry Kane. <laughs> and Harry Kane has played more minutes this season than, than ever before, so... Um, I think that that you know, hopefully in the second half of the season, like Harry Kane is going to have to sit some games out at some point. Mm. Man. Like you just can't physically do this. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I w- it would like be nice to see him in like a striker as well because he had that weird period where he's on the right wing, which is not his favorite position. When he was in the like super sub phase at the beginning of the season, he looked really good on the left wing. Started to show a glimpse of that um, against Leeds. Uh, so yeah, it'd be nice to see him actually play as a striker as well. Yeah, and we we surely, you know, we've spoken about Sonny. He scored three goals in the league all on the same day. Kulu's only got one goal. That was the opening day. And then obviously, obviously been injured. Richarlison's got no goals in the league. Surely, surely, surely for the, you know, the, the second half of the season, we can expect more than four goals from those three. And again, I think it all, you know, hopefully builds to... And I think we're all on the same page-ish when it comes to the second half of the season for Tottenham. Like, brighter things ahead surely right everyone's still there just about kind of despite the fact that there are about nine teams fighting for the top four it feels like I think we're going to be fine I you know I just this World Cup has obviously obviously got into the players heads I just think it was so clear it was so clear to me on Saturday if it hadn't been before they were just like why are we even playing this dumb game like as kind of fun and hectic as it was it was just a completely unnecessary fixture and they were all feeling it. You could see it even in the, you know, I've, we've obviously decided that we're just never going to mention the League Cup game um, last <laughs> week ever again, and that's fine. Um, but you could see it then. They were like, we're not playing in this dumb competition that is meaningless when we've got World Cup, and we barely even want to play in this con- in this competition that has, like, so much meaning because we have to play in a World Cup next week. It's just... It's insane. The whole situation is completely insane. And I think it's such a big if, but if everyone comes back relatively fit, then I think we'll be fine. It's going to be really Back me up. I, well, I'm, I, was about to, I was actually about to um, question you because I'm amazed that we've got <laughs> this far into the podcast <laughs> and you haven't mentioned free-scoring Ben Davis yet. Like um, That's like two Premier League goals now. When Charlie was um, talking about those goal stats, you know, maybe we don't need to worry about the front three anymore because we've got Ben Davis. You're exactly right. Do you know why I didn't? Because I thought, can I get away with defending 
both my middling central defenders in one podcast. <laughs> yes, I'll tell I you what, Ben was yes, Ben was really good watching it. I back. think so. That was one of his best performances for a while, I thought. And again, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, Wales are playing at a World Cup. This is, you know, Ben Davis is, what, 29 now? Like, this is him. This is his big opportunity. And he was, you know, he was going in blood and thunder into every every tackle, every 50-50. Fair play to these guys, man. Like, I know we, we pay their wages and all the rest of it. But again, this is a huge psychological thing that they've had to overcome in order to get this far. And I thought Davis was... He really kind of led from the back, if that makes any sense. I thought he was good. I think it's easy to lean on the negativity as well, but like Bentonker, Hoybier, Davis, Kane, they've all like given absolutely everything for these, um, mm-hmm. was it 15 games that we've had? And they're all like massive players for the country, you know, in particular Kane, who's obviously the captain. Everyone else is like a regular starter. They'll start all of the games at the World Cup. But these guys have like really like gone for it in these 15 games plus all the cup games on top like so yeah just you know i know it's very easy to like slag off from there and stuff but it's also like we do have some players that have like, been properly committed to these 15 games and those names i just mentioned are probably our three standout players of the season um benson core and kane well i was going to ask quickly um player of the first bit of this season go on the spot rosa who's yours benson core yeah okay tom Benton Core for sure. Billy, I don't have to say Harry Kane. Like he, he seems to be. I, I think like Benton Core is like he's been incredible. But Kane is like his. He's just it's that classic thing where he he's what, what's he won like player of the season once since he's been here, which is like absurd. And like he scored. I, I read today that he scored in more Premier League games than Haaland has. Um, this season, which is crazy. Um, so yeah, definitely came. Oh really? Oh, do you know what I feel bad? Actually, I agree with you. You're, you know what? As silly. Like, why He's do I? Why goals, do I do? It's Harry games, Kane. Just, this is the nonsense, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's obviously Kane. He scored so many goals. If oh, Haaland wasn't, you know, twelve and fifteen. Yeah. It's yeah. He's, all, he's 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 slowly creeping up to ha- like a Haaland injury. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know that golden boot. You never know. Do we want Tara. a Haaland injury, though? Uh. No, we don't. Uh, we want Haaland to keep going. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> who's um, yours? I'm, yeah, I'm not just saying this, but I was going to say Kane too. I just think he's what he's got 12 goals now. Um, he, If it wasn't for Haaland, everyone would be talking about he's got 12 goals going into you know the World Cup. Um, and can we just say, or can I just say, it's gone a bit quiet over there, Jesus. Don't want to say anything, but, you know, <laughs> how all these um, FPL managers were going, losing their shit over Jesus at the beginning of the season. I never would have an Arsenal player in my FPL team. But even if I uh, did, like, why would you anyway? I don't think he's, he can't have scored anything hardly in the last eight weeks. His, uh, like, his last, no, his, why is it no one's talking about it? His last goal was against us. There you go. And the first of, of October. The first of October was his last. For fuck's sake. Last. And of course, it was the goal that Hugo basically like threw at him as well, wasn't it? And it just bounced off him, basically. Carl, um, I'm really glad to hear that you don't have Arsenal players in your FPL team because. I'm doing so badly in FPL and I contend that a big chunk of that, annoyingly, is because I can't have Arsenal players and everyone else has Saliba, Martinelli and Jesus, who was who was good briefly. Um, and yeah, it's annoying because they're doing so well and it's fucking me for fantasy as well, unfortunately. I've just completely given up after like four weeks. I just, I, I had like sunk to the bottom of, 
both the leagues that I was in. And so instead of going, all right, I just basically was extremely Tottenham about it. Instead of like regrouping and being like, I'm going to, we go again. I was like, I can't be bothered. I give you up. Flounced. You yeah, flounced. Yeah, I flounced essentially. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm, I'm 500,000 out of 10 million. That's amazing. Wow, that's pretty good. Wow. That's, that's incredible. FPL's the, the, F- players. See, FPL's it can the be o- done. FPL's the only thing where you can say I'm 500,000. And people are like, well done, that's really good. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Guys, this is this is the excuse I'm telling everyone. I'm doing terribly. And now Tara's just proven <laughs> that you don't need Arsenal players to do well this season. So now I'm furious. You can oh. edit this bit out later, Tom. <laughs> okay, I will. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, have the power. you have the keys there. <laughs> I'll give you a masterclass. <laughs> Please. I'm going to go and Kane then, as well. By the way, he's my he's my player of the year. I, I thought I, I thought everyone's going to say Benson Kerr, and I was going to be this like, well, actually, guys, have you considered the uh, <laughs> the case of one Harry Kane? But Billy got there first. But yeah, Kane's Kane's being unreal. I really think so. And on the subject of uh, player of the season, I just have to read this because I, I can't believe that it still exists. Um, this classic tweet says, just a reminder, Juventus sold Benson Kerr and Kuliseski to Tottenham for an eventual seventy million euros. Laughing face. Benton Kerr still is it three times a game to concede a dangerous transition. Kuliseski still hasn't beaten his man for two years. God bless Paratici, which is in the all-time Hall of Fame, rolling in the tweets, tweets, I think. I don't think that will ever be topped. Um, God bless Paratici. I can't wait till it's like the official anniversary of that tweet. <laughs> We're going to have such a good time. Also, just buy, just buy two more Juve players this, this January. Like, clearly, they just don't know what to do with their good players. Like Paratici knows who they are, just whoever they are, sign them and we'll hopefully be fine. Should we take um, that as a, as moving yeah. into our next uh, section about if we could start like some like January, summer signings? I Do you know what? I've, I don't know what day it is ever anymore. And now I apparently don't even know what season it is. I blame the World Cup. If you could sign one player for Spurs in January, who would it be? Tara, you go first. Oh. No pressure. I mean, hand I'm going last because I hate these questions. I mean, hand on heart, I'd never heard of Kulisevsky or Benton Cole when we signed them. Literally, they didn't exist in my universe. So I feel almost like I'm not worthy of saying who I don't actually like. Is there a um, position? What, what position would you... Oh, that's, well, that's maybe... Where I would zero well, in on, yeah, as well, because yeah, who knows with Paratici? Like I'm not all of his worthy. good ones seem to be ones we've not heard of. Yeah, um, I think um, I would like. I'd still like us to go back for Bastoni. Um, I don't know if he has would change his mind about coming in January or how it's going for him, but I just think um, I think I think I fancy. Uh, having him uh, in the team. And um, do you reckon we could put in a cheeky bid for Hakimi? Oh, imagine. That Hakimi is the position, isn't it? That's just extraordinarily. Sexy. But why not? Why can't amazing. we have good things? <laughs> I mean, you know the answer to that, though, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, just because the end, it's like the classic, like, parent. Why? Just because. I said so. <laughs> Um, that's a lovely answer. Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Charlie, you've surely got several on your list. I think the from the last few weeks, I think the biggest issue is now our defence. And part of that is because Romero's not playing. And I think 
our issues with the defence are twofold in that we can't actually defend anymore, which is sort of the most worrying bit. But I think, as ever, when you take Romero out of the team, despite uh, Patron Sanchez's best efforts on the weekend, we really struggle to build from the back and it becomes a bit of a slog and there's an awful lot of, you know, sort of passing around in circles. It doesn't really go anywhere or hopeful chip forward, chips forward, etc. So I think that someone to at least compete with Eric Dyer in right in the heart of that defence, in the centre of that defence, because my biggest sort of question mark with our defensive options going into the season was that we didn't have anyone really to compete with Dyer. It was Eric Dyer in the middle and that was it. And it felt like Conte had decided that Sanchez wasn't fit to play there because he's not good enough on the ball. So he was sort of Romero's backup. Longley was obviously signed to compete with Davies. And then aside from Tanganga, who is sort of disappeared off the face of the earth, there's just no one to compete with Eric Dyer. And I think we've seen him play far too much football. I think, you know, the England sort of recall has, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to sort of throw into doubt anything to do with anything with internationals because God knows with this weird season. But I think Eric Dyer would be the first to say that his form has dipped since he started playing for England again and maybe the World Cup's on his mind, etc. And I just think the sheer number of minutes that that guy has played without, you know, feeling the sort of hot breath of competition on his neck because he just knows he's going to get picked every week. And I feel like having someone come in who is strong on the ball, that can win stuff in the air, would be sort of seismic for us. So that position for sure. And then it's weird, sort of, it sounds like a creative attacker seems to be on the menu. Sort of people like Ali Gold are talking about, you know, someone coming in. I think we saw, obviously, when Kulisewski wasn't around, we looked creatively sort of, awful um so I would love you know that sort of James Madison type who can play off the right sort of coming in sort of creating chaos I would love a more sort of number 10 type of player as well just to give us a different option so those two positions I don't think we'll get a right wing back because I can't see unless maybe Spence does go on loan I don't think anyone's going to sign Emerson Royale in January. I don't think we're going to sell dirty. So I think those two positions, a centre-back and someone to back up Kulisevsky that's not called Lucas Moura would be my my two positions. Actually, I think just talking about Doherty quickly, I think he did really well on Saturday when he came on. He didn't actually do a lot yeah, better than Emerson defensively, but he made a lot of difference going forward. And that's, yeah. that, I think that's the reality of what you say. Like Emerson's not a wing-back and Doherty is. And I, th- I think it was interesting, Kulisewski was interviewed in the week and he was talking about how much he enjoys playing with Dirty. And I think those two do look like they've got some idea about where the other wants the ball and they know each other's runs a little bit. So I'm really hoping that if we aren't going to sign Hakimi, as Tara um, quite rightfully puts forward, that we should absolutely slap down 70 million for him. If we don't do that, then... Dirty Kulisevsky 2023 all the way. They have to play as many time. Obviously, we want to see this, um, you know, fictional Jed Spence character that I've heard so much about, but I can't see that happening anytime soon. So yeah, Dirty and Kulisevsky on the right for me next next calendar year, please. Billy, any ideas, dreams, hopes? Uh, I'm going to say Marcus Edwards because for the, the like I just think it makes too much sense not to do it because we have um, a fifty percent um, 
sell-on fee for him, and he has a release clause. Um, so he'd be sixty million for any other team, but thirty million for us. So like, I just like feel like why why wouldn't we do that? Like, it's just it's just like a no brainer. And I think like Charlie is right. And when we don't have Kudasevsky, like we we're so like we don't have that kind of like get your bums off seat kind of player, which Marcus Edwards is. Um, and also, I just don't want to see him score against us again. That was painful enough in the first time, and <laughs> that'll end anything like that. So yeah, speaking of redemption arts earlier. I want to see him come back. It just makes too much sense not to. And I think it'd be a really exciting player to have on the bench, you know, to come in for that good assessment. Matt. Well, now you've got me because on the one hand, I'm very much a like never go back person, but you've dragged me back in with the redemption arc. So it's what we do, man. Uh, it Bale, is what we do. Yeah. We're a very, so, yeah. we're a very soppy club. We know even managers, a... you know, it's, it's what we do. That's top. Yeah. Man, Ash man. is listening to this right now. And it's just like, <laughs> just throwing his phone out the window in disgust <laughs> he hates this shit for us <laughs> it's like can't we just move forward be a big club just don't look back no we can't no, he's literally half price for us like, it'd be, it'd yeah be it'd be we love a bargain not to do it to be fair. it'd be so much fun he's like you know he feels kind of aaron lennon doesn't he in terms of that ability to just glide past people he's about five foot two like yeah loads of fun yes please yeah let's do this tom what are you saying well, yeah, I'm not very sentimental generally either. Um, I'm always with Ash when it comes to like Poch not not coming back because I feel like why well, go back to the past? But I do agree on Edwards. That would be a lovely deal to do. He was brilliant at the at our game at home against them. Um, his goal was amazing. We couldn't get near him. But I mean, Tony's probably not going to move till the summer, is he? Um, and I would love him at some point. But yeah, I was going to say Madison because someone's going to buy him at some point and why can't it be us? His stats, his assists and goals are pretty ridiculous. We've got a plan for life without Kane at some point. I think he turns 26 in uh, while he's at the World Cup. So he's still pretty young. He knows the league really well. And if we don't do it, then another team from North Newcastle, Newcastle or, as well, or Newcastle. Yeah, I don't think City need him, but even even Liverpool. Like I, um, I think he's a great player, and yeah, if we don't get him, someone else will, and it'll be infuriating. Yeah, I'm very sold on that. Actually, I'm very yeah, I'm pro all of your answers, and now I'm going to give you mine, which is make. Longley's deal permanent. Boom. You and, you and Clement Longley. <laughs> good grief. That's it. That's all I got for you guys. Get a Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Tara, can you sort that out for me, maybe? <laughs> I'll do my best, but I was a bit annoyed because he was in my FPL team and he got subbed before 65 minutes, so I didn't get any points for him. Yeah, at the time, I was obviously fuming because I felt that Dyer was much, much, much more chaotic in that game. But actually, it worked quite well, didn't it? Moving Dyer back into the middle. And yeah, so it turns he out, did, you know, um, Conte knows what he's doing. Crazy. He did, he did play a good, great part in that goal as well by totally taking out Mezia. So that was, that was a great. <laughs> it's worthy of assist, really, wasn't it? I am, I totally I am astounded that that goal stood, by the way, watching it back. Like this with the yeah. new, like... VAR anything and everything. I am shocked that that didn't go to the stupid, I'm doing the hand signal for VAR. It was, he just barged him off the ball. It was brilliant. It's like the 80s. 
Right, but then like that, the same thing sort of happened to Bentoncourt in the lead up to their second or third. Can't remember. But it's just keepers normally just get like you know if you go near them, that's just like bow. That's it. Enough. So it was great. I just me, loved, uh, I love seeing it. Gives me flashbacks of that horrific um, Harry Kane chalked off goal for the Thiago Silva thing, which is probably oh. one of the worst one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Like, gives me nightmares that goal. Just and we've like, we've sli- seen a slightly lot. Slightly nudged him. Slightly nudged him <laughs> on the back. We every we should sign Longley permanently though, right? I feel, does everyone feel like he's done enough? I, yeah. I quite like him. Definitely, definitely, definitely. A goal in Marseille did, is enough for me. I, I actually did, I didn't see this whole um, like centre centre back thing coming from him. Like that's I think you could argue that he, he has a case to be maybe at the moment on form our best centre centre back as well. So yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I did have that in mind. It isn't just because I'd like French dudes. <laughs> <laughs> The other position that I was going to say was I would really like us to start taking the Hugo Lloris uh, succession plan seriously because this is partly down to my disappointment with his comments today about, um, oh, there's Tara has a Hugo bobblehead that she has proudly shown us. And I'm about to be mean about him, so I feel feel awful now. Mm. But uh, I did not like what he was saying about um, not wearing the rainbow armband at Qatar. That wasn't very cool, Hugo. Please sort that out. He's also really, really showing his age, I think, in the last the last few weeks. And I think as much as Fraser Forster looked quite good against Forrest, we've really I would love to see us like agreeing a like agreeing a deal in January for someone to come in the summer, perhaps, or you know, like taking that seriously rather than just kicking that can down the road for another season, which it's felt like we've been doing maybe for a, a season too many. Am I being mean as Hugo actually? I don't know. I feel like maybe at least one of those goals in the weekend he could have done a bit better with. I think even like it's just time, isn't it? Like, it's just even if he was, you know, it doesn't really matter how good he is at the moment. He's just that age now where it has like he's forty five. Like it's got to be time. Like and I, I, I know that we've been linked in the press. The lead goalkeeper is supposed to be good, and then I, the other names coming through are the um, the Brentford goalkeeper who's English and uh, Sanchez at Brighton as well. And I, to be honest, I'd be happy with any three of those. Or you know. Um, but like the lead keeper is like French and like, a bit erratic, so it seems like the natural successor to me. <laughs> is he is is he like in the sort of French team like succession plan as well, or is he just French? Either's fine. I think they got they got the AC Milan goalkeeper as well, the France, who's also like amazing. So I don't know if he gets like I don't know if he's like their third choice keeper or not, but he's okay. only twenty two. He's yeah. twenty two, so and like Leeds fans absolutely love him, so. Tara, where do you stand on Hugo right now? Um, I think that it hasn't been a priority for us because we've just got so many other positions that we mm. obviously really, really do desperately need um, either back. We just got too many other problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but each year that goes past, I think, you know, I think we really do need to act um, ASAP. I mean, I don't think we'll act in in January, but in the summer, 100%, we have to. It's just, you know, it's not, you can't be sentimental with these things. Mm. He's, even if he was having the season of his life, which he's not, um, and and if we want to start, carry on playing out, you know, Conte from the back, it's he's just not the right goalkeeper for that. And age is against him. And I think his fabulous has been a great servant to the, club and I still you know would love him to be playing with you know his apprentice for a, another season 
Mm. But I think we have to take it very seriously now that we need we need to uh, get his successor in ASAP. I mean, I do feel like like one two things. I guess is I think we we sometimes sort of forget that Hugo is also going to the World Cup, and that might also be affecting him. Like he is also his, his last one, probably. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, they're defending champions as well, and he's yeah, he's captain. Um, just because I think we did, we were playing out from the back quite a bit more at the beginning of the season. Did I? I feel like we definitely were. I feel like we were much more competent, like closer to our goal at the beginning of this season than we sort of subsequently became. And I think the World Cup, the closer the World Cup's got, the more and more erratic everybody has become. And I think Hugo must just naturally be part of that. And I don't. I don't disagree with any of you and I think we have to obviously sort something out because he's not, you know, he never was Buffon in the first place and he certainly is not going to age like Buffon did either. So I get it. I just feel, I just can't picture it. I can't picture what a Hugo Lloris-less Tottenham is going to look like at all. It's just too weird. It's like, uh, like talking about Harry Kane now, isn't it? Which is or even actually even weirder in a way because Hugo's been with us through some real nonsense. Yeah, like could not unseat Brad Friedel for the first couple of months. I maintain that was actually like not crazy of AVB. I, th- I feel like we've covered this before. We have and covered I like, this. Yeah, so I, I won't. I won't you, go you over and I it, often. Yeah often end up sort of supporting AVB against the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just mad when you look back at photos from back then when Hugo looked like a little sort of floppy haired 17 year old. And he's this kind and of. And Frida was like 50 years old. <laughs> 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 Tara, are you going to watch the World Cup? How do you, um, how, what are your feelings about it? I think I will probably watch, but I am, um, I've never been, you know, less enthusiastic about the tournament. I've, I love the World Cup. I always usually have my little wall chart up a month beforehand um, and doing draws at work and getting excited and used to, you know, not panini stickers, but, you know, literally, you know, getting really heavily involved. But I just have no enthusiasm for it, apart from the obviously corrupt nature of who got the World Cup. Um, I don't like the country uh, holding the World Cup and their human rights issues. I don't like the fact that I can't believe we would even this day and age give a cup to a country that has, that, that you know, won't let people be homosexual. Um, I, so all of that, plus the fact that it's completely fucked up <laughs> the Western Hemisphere's, you know, um, season and w- that we have to change to have it in the middle, you know, of the season. There's so many negatives um, and I just can't see those negatives. They weigh so heavy when the, the first ball is kicked next uh, Sunday that um, that, that I'm, I'm going to change my mind. I, I just don't care that much, mm. but I know that um, I will still be keeping a big eye on all the Spurs players. It's um, my friends and I were saying today, like I can't, I can't remember having so far seen one ad like for by the BBC or ITV or anything. And I feel like 
normally there's like a month long campaign where you get to know, you know, the sort of graphics and the treatment that the sort of major channels are doing and who the the talent that they've recruited is. They make a big song and dance about. And I mean, Tara, I know you work in TV. Like it's, it's felt noticeable, right? That the BBC and ITV particularly have sort of muted things. Do you, do you feel like it's yeah. because of, you know, they just being a bit sheepish about knowing why people feel so conflicted about it or because the Premier League season's only just wrapped or paused rather like, I don't know, is there a chat within the, the industry much about it? Well, I've got a show on the day the World Cup kicks off, November 20th. And by now, I would normally have had ITV and BBC press offices come to me and trying to push one of their talent to do like a live link up on the morning of the show. Mm. I've done that for the Euros. I've done it for every tournament. I've been up uh, on Sunday Bunch for seven years now. So I've done a few tournaments um, and I haven't had any contact at all, you know, wow. offering any any um, um, talent or any of the pun pundits is who I normally get offered mm. never get access that's so to. interesting so they're just kind of pretending it's not really I mean because I feel like there's there's been like a tiny bit of publicity I think that like the BBC did a whole sort of like promo shoot right with all of like their faces and they're very much pushing they're putting sort of women front and center I think in this one as a kind of statement I suppose but they're not kind of following it up with any like because this is not a celebration, I guess. I don't really want to bring everybody down again because I had a few people mm. chat to me <laughs> after last week being like, you know, Rosa, we do also just But I think this week particularly, um, you know, now that World Cup fever should be reaching, you know, fever pitch, if you like, and still I just feel like everyone's like, oh, yeah, there's a World Cup style on Sunday and, oh, it's a bit gross. And actually, like, I'm not even seeing anything about it. Like, you know, mm. where's my, like, pull-out guide and where's my, as Tara said, like, Where's my wall chart? And, you know, I'm sure maybe the kids are getting sticker albums and going sort of crazy for all that stuff. But I don't know. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? It's it's mad. Also, I'm going to be uh, Grinch-like or Scrooge-like about something. We talked about um, the World Cup in general uh, last week, I think, me and Rosa and Charlie. And I'm going to end up watching it, although the whole thing's disgusting. I'll end up watching the England games for sure. But... I'm going to be honest, I'm happy for any of our players to go out as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, I, lo I love our players, but I love them playing for us. And I also think the World Cup in the middle of the season, to me, is just like, just get them home as quickly as possible. I'll be, I'll be supporting England, obviously, but everyone else can kind of come home after the group stages in my, in my books. I just want like Uruguay out, I want Bentoncourt back and wrapped in cotton wool. I want Richarlison back. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, uh, Pierre. I've got a weird, I've got a soft spot for Denmark, and I, you know, Pierre is so good for them. Maybe Denmark can can go a bit further, but yeah, I don't. I just want them all out, apart from England. Up the Spurs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that works for me as well. Because I was going to say, yeah, everyone can come home and then, you know, Messi can win it. And then I realised that means Romero has to be there till the end. So, sorry, think, Leo, not for you think, this um, year. Billy, how do you think England are going to do? Um, do you know what? I have totally lost all confidence in their talking. <laughs> oh, um, I really backed him the last two tournaments. I think he did a good job, but he should have left after the Euros. That was like the natural ending of it all. Um, I think he's a very uninspiring manager who seems to have a, his he doesn't seem to pick players based on form anymore. Um, I, they have a lot of like 
it's strange though because we have a lot of like really exciting players like we've got um, Bellingham who's one of the best midfielders in the world we've got Rice we've got Kane we've got Saka all of these players are in like really good form I just don't think like I just don't uh, have any faith in the manager to get the best out of them um, but it's one of those things where we kind of in the, in the Euros we saw, and in the World Cup in, in fact like we like crawled out the groups and then like came alive in the knockout so who knows you know we might do that but um, I, I think it's made like worse by the fact that this is in the middle of a Tottenham season not at the end of one normally I don't view it through the lens of a Tottenham fan halfway through the season but um, I've never really cared less about England and, and a major tournament than this I just the only thing, like Tom said, the only way I'm viewing it is like just hoping that Tottenham players don't get injured, to be honest. Yeah, because you know what? Aside from anything else, this has really ruined one of my absolute, just it, the fact of it being in the middle of the season, it's ruined one of my favourite things about international tournaments where I feel like I get to put aside all of my like petty rivalries <laughs> and grudges. You know, like at the at the last World Cup, I was like, I was able to enjoy like Jordan Henderson as a player and a person. And but now I'm like no, I don't. I want all of you to be injured, except for like <laughs> our players. And I hope you all have a terrible time, except for our players. Wh- whatever that means, whether that means they kind of have a fun tournament or like come home early or whatever. I just there's no like coming together now, is there? As a sort of nation of football fans, because we're still going to be thinking of it through the lens of our own clubs. It's um, depressing. And then the fact that the players that aren't going to the World Cup are just going to be like carrying on training and playing friendlies and you know Antonio's going to be shouting at them in Enfield just for the next month and it's this like all of it's weird and wrong and like yeah who are we going to play friendlies against like why are some of the countries not at the World Cup playing friendlies like I was so proud of Spurs for reportedly saying no to Sweden Kulisevsky finally come and finally play. no you're like why are Sweden playing matches like what a miserable like who's going to come and watch two non-qualified teams play each other in a meaningless fixture when the World Cup's on like what like why what is the point let them have a rest so I mean yeah, I'm, <laughs> that's like the, the best thing that Spurs have done in a while is saying no to Sweden um, you cannot have your best player I like that, that we've like really, we've, we've stood up to someone. It's Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Most likable country on earth. No, up your Sweden. <laughs> uh, it's going to be super weird. Um, and then we were saying today, like it would have been a great opportunity to have watched a load of um, Spurs women games at home, but there's like one uh, WSL uh, home fixture in the, in the time of the World Cup on. I'm right, Rosa. It's literally one game, isn't it? It's literally one home game and against against Tom's favourite team, West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tara, are you, are you much into Spurs women? Have you kind of found your interest being peaked in the last couple of seasons? I did go... Well, I went over to Paris for the Women's World Cup. Um, was that in 2019? It was pre-COVID. I saw USA play um, and that was amazing in the Parc de France and it was full and it was just, I took my daughter um, and yeah, that, that was incredible. Um, I've only seen the Tottenham women, Tottenham ladies team play once, but I would definitely be up for playing. It's going to see them. If they were played at the stadium, I'd be definitely more into them to see them play rather than at Brisbane Road. Rosa, this is your big thing, right? Yeah, and I've tried to relax about it because I was very much kind of. Have I think you, they should just play. 
<laughs> I've, I, well, when I say I've tried, have I been successful? Not much. Well, yeah. no, because I understand the whole kind of getting, um, kind of building up support and getting, you know, and having it, having there be sort of a full stadium rather than being played with like one, you know, just one stand open and all of that. However, Tottenham women beat Brighton 8-0 two weeks ago. And then they were supposed to play Everton at home the following weekend. And like that, that was an amazing win. And they should have been able to pick up all of that momentum and take it into their next home game, which got called off because the pitch at Brisbane Road was waterlogged. And I just think at this point, you got to take it seriously. I don't know shades Leighton Orient, but like that didn't happen like at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So just let them play on a proper pitch. And I think... You can't you can't just be mucking about with it like this. I think ultimately, I don't know. And also, why is the West Ham game in a few weeks not at the stadium? Considering nothing no... else is going on, I know. Like, I mean, making... I guess because of that, because they want to make it their home ground. And even yeah. though we've only played about one game there, I think because because everything's been so kind of. The, you would you think know, like the, you the know... first weekend was called off and all of that, so. Everyone's going to be gagging to go and watch live sport. We're all going to be starved of it because of the World Cup. Like, mm. make the tickets a quid or something and just try and get as many people. It's, you know, it's a London derby. Just feels like there's still a few, you know, extra levers we could be, um, you know, using. But, uh, yeah. I think there is. And I will just, even though, um, yeah, so we don't have a Spurs women game to talk about. Um, our next game is against Chelsea away. That's pretty scary, obviously. They're second in the league. They're obviously, they're going to be at home. It's, you know, we just don't really want to think about it. I can't remember if um, Emma Hayes is, has already come back or is due to come back for that game. Either way, they'll obviously be, be really up for it. So it's just, again, one of those um, get in, get out alive. Um, just the one other thing is I do want to say, because England women have been, they're on an international break. They have been on international break and it's just been really shit to see Ash Neville just again, not be called up to the point where like, even Ian Wright is out there saying, what <laughs> does she have to do? What does she have to do? And I think he really like sympathise with her because obviously his history with England is a bit up and was a bit up and down as well. Can Ian Wright um, stop being such a good dude, by the way? Like, I know. It's really annoying. No, he can't such do it. A- like Arsenal hero is like the greatest person in the country. And yeah. just it's not on Ian stuff. Speaking of annoying Arsenal people, um, it's time for the uh, best bit of our podcast, which is our culture picks this week. I maybe I'll just get on to talking about Tony Adams and Strictly in a little bit, because first up it has to be the guest who um Gives us her culture picks. Tara, what do you have for us this week? Uh, well, I have in um, honour of Kulu, um, a bit of a standy theme. Um, Ooh, I like it. So for After I've music, just been mean about Sweden, I feel really bad. Yeah. It's, well, the first one is Swedish. It's um, First Aid Kit's album, um, Everything. Um, I'm a sucker for Harmony. Um and I just think I love the tone of the girls' voices and I'm going to see them in a, in December in London. I'm very excited. So that's my that's my music pick. And then my TV pick, it's not exactly new, but I doubt if many people would have seen it. It's a bit of a hidden gem on Netflix. Um, as uh, the days are drawing in and it's getting darker outside, um, 
I've gone for a Norwegian Christmas rom-com. And, oh, my God, it's so fantastic. It's called Home for Christmas, uh, the series one and series two on Netflix. And it's a quirky, it's quirky. It's not, you've got to watch it in the Norwegian with the subtitles. You can't have the dubbing on. And I swear to God, you'll be immersed. And after the first two, two episodes, you'll feel like you're fluent in Norwegian. And um, it's about this girl called Johanna, who is looking for a boyfriend to bring home for Christmas. And, but it's just cool in that Scandinavian, uh, uh, dark, sort of uh, slightly... Uh, goofy way oh it's fabulous anyway so I really highly recommend that Home for Christmas on Netflix Um, and then the final thing is not Scandinavian but one of the presenters on this podcast is a Spurs season ticket holder so we'll forgive him for not being Scandinavian so um, I really love the News Agents which is a podcast with Emily Maitlis, John Tara, and Lewis Goodall (laughs) and it's a it's um, like a sort of probably about half an hour every single day. And it's a really good condensed look at politics and the news in general, but it's quite um, lighthearted as well. They have great guests. As I said, John Soap was a Spurs uh, season ticket holder, which is why I got him on a Sunday brunch. Mm. Um, and it's really fabulous. I'd give it a listen. I totally agree. I love that podcast. I also like I'm very intrigued by this Norwegian rom-com. That's uh, that sounds like it might hit my sweet spot also. But I just think um, the news agents is so good. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously they all just ditch the BBC, which is a bit like, oh, um, but it's so they're just so talented, aren't they? They're so slick. Everything's it's just such a good kind of this is what you need to know I find it sometimes I find it a little bit Westminster sort of bubble but mostly they're just so well informed and I always feel like now I'm up to date I absolutely love it it. I've enjoyed it a lot more since the government has sort of calmed down I felt like it was it was like a tough format for them when there was breaking news every like six and a half minutes and to try and stay on top of it felt like too much of a challenge for a sort of daily digestible podcast but now they're able to sort of lean back into they did a really good set of podcasts on um like the housing crisis and the rental market and looked at it from both sort of landlords and renters the other day which I thought was really interesting um yeah and John's great we love John he's terrific I was going to ask you Tara who have you ever sort of recruited someone for Sunday brunch purely because you know they're a Spurs fan like they had no right being on Sunday brunch whatsoever but on they came for some enormous PR for no reason I couldn't (laughs) say that because everybody that comes on obviously is fantastic Um, (laughs) but I will book people because they're Spurs fans over and above somebody equally as good that isn't (laughs) so just this season I've booked Simon Day uh, Nihal Arthanaika, um, Greg Jenner, um, David Hepworth, very good book on Abbey Road out at the moment. Mm. Um, and um, Jim Howick, I'm after because he's a big Spurs fan from Ghost. He's a, yeah, he's a season ticket holder, isn't he? I think. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, if I know they're a Spurs fan, I'm after them and they've, they've got a shoe in. Don't say anything. Um, <laughs> but and, and, and on the other side of that coin, I um, do try and avoid booking. Arsenal supporters 
I mean, I've had I've had um, like Roman <laughs> Kemp on and people like that, and I, I, I can't always avoid it. Last week we had, um, or two weeks ago, we had Sophie Dirasu. Do you know him? He's a fabulous actor. Oh my god, he's one of the leads in Gangs of London. Mm. Um, and but he was halfway through the show, I was watching it, and he it comes out he's an Arsenal supporter, and I went, oh no, I didn't know. Um, but luckily, I counterbalanced it that week with Anthony Costa from Blue, so I was fine. Huge oh, Spurs fan. Love Anthony. Love Tone. I also, Tara, I didn't know David Hepworth was a uh, Spurs fan. I'm currently reading his brilliant book, uh, Uncommon People. Oh uh, yeah. The rise and fall of the rock stars. That just you, arrived. Yeah, arrived yeah, uh, today, Tom. You recommended it to me. Honestly, so, so good. Um, he is, yeah, he worked for what, like Smash Hits and The Face and like amazing magazines, right? Um, I had no idea he was a Spurs fan. I'm buzzing. Yeah, massive Spurs fan. And um, when I when I used to work, I did a lot of ITV daytime stuff. So I was always in the green room and I always used to use football as a bit of an icebreaker. And I tell you, the, one of the best Spurs chats I ever had was with Trevor McDonald. <gasps> Huge Spurs fan. Really? He saw like the 50s uh, push and run side, and it was, it was is amazing. This, yeah. is, this, is this widely known that I don't Trev's think a Spurs so? Fan? No. So, Trevor McDonald, and obviously, one of my biggest, um, sadly, he's, he's not doing too well now, but um, Salman Rushdie, also a massive Spurs fan. Oh, we have the best people. We do we? have the best people, and Bob Marley, obviously. I was like one of my the best moments of my journalistic career was interviewing Barry Davies and finding out that he was a Spurs fan. That was just so I was talking to him about the his famous commentary for Gaza's goal in the uh, the Arsenal semi final in ninety one, and he said that's he he said that he felt like that was the only moment where the mask slipped and his Spurs sort of came out in the commentary. He said I got a bit too carried away there, and I really. Um, he was talking about how he really doesn't like that commentary because he felt like it was the only time his sort of partisan Spurs nature came through in his work. Um, and he said, of course, that's now the bit of commentary that everyone sort of parrots back to me forevermore. But um, uh, we just have the best people, the best people. We do, because we are the best. We, <laughs> we very much are. I do think this is true, actually, because again, after the match on Saturday, I was talking to my friends Sean and Kath and we were like you know we spent some time talking about the match and then for like an hour we ended up just doing that thing where you're like we're just going to put the world to rights and I was like I just don't I don't believe Arsenal fans do that to be honest I just don't I think they just end up just trying to they've, got an, they've got an online poll to see too, that's so it they've got uh, <laughs> some some strictly votes to uh, organize <laughs> so I know Tom and Rosa, you're our resident Strictly heads. You must be delighted that finally this sort of macabre sham of Tony Adams sort of getting through every week is now over, right? A long national nightmare is finally at an end. Yeah. It's such a relief. I honestly was starting to get a little bit worried. And I like Tara, I take it as a really good sign. I think it, it can only um, be a good omen for us because he finally got booted out and actually and I think that was the best week yet Tom even like beyond even before that had happened what do you think I mean the standard is pretty high now we've got to that mm. that point in the series where everyone's really good apart from Tony who was the right he he needed to go for sure and you know he said a nice bit about kind of recovery and I thought that was quite cute he was talking about his addictions and stuff 
Um, don't make me feel bad. I'm not going yeah, to. Sorry, sorry. No, but I'm <laughs> fucking really glad he's back. Don't worry. Um, but no, the standard's really high. Fleur was great. Hamza is incredible. Like, King Hamza. He's, he's winning it now, right? Every time there's uh, like a children's TV presenter on, they're about kind of 18 and clearly mm-hmm. just left Sylvia Young. Um, and they're incredible. Um, Hamza is so, so good. And he made Moxie cry. She was in floods of tears. Um, I almost also, got choked up. Like I was, I was also pleased for Ellie Jane Taylor from um, uh, Ted Lasso as well, because she was really improved. Yeah. We all love Johannes as well. So we wanted them to get to Blackpool. So, yeah, I'm excited for uh, for Blackpool, although another themed week's quite annoying. Yeah, we don't really care about Blackpool. It's just like it's it's a marker, isn't it? It's like you want to get to the I guess it's like the quarterfinals or something at this all point. The pro- isn't all it? the professionals want to get to Blackpool. Yeah, right? yeah, but it's, it's like the sounds always really bad. Anyway, we'll com- we'll complain about it next week. You can have your but Blackpool just, special, yeah, another time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've got we've got loads of time to kill now. <laughs> I loved it. I, I love Hamza so much. I hate the couple's choice dance, but I absolutely loved that one. Like he's been getting like the best tunes to dance to as well. Like last week he got the four tops, incredible. Um. And I also loved Fleur and Vito. So I think for like for me, like it's just clear now. I like I love Johannes, but Ellie's not gonna win, so it doesn't and she's not really good enough either. So as much as I like her. So it's either I think it's gonna be Hamza though. And I'm just like delighted. Our like CBB's king is gonna go all the way. Is he your favorite, Tara? I presume he is. I love Hamza, yeah. But I thought the standard was amazing. I actually really liked Will's walks. Yeah, he got me a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it was very sweet, actually, wasn't it? um, it, His dad was his dad. Mm. Yeah, died of like during COVID. I sort of, I admit, I'm going to admit that I'd switched off a little bit by that point. (laughs) (laughs) But it was very high standard. It was great. But um, on the Blackpool front, I've been there. I stayed two hours. I left. (laughs) <laughs> oh really well like actually Blackpool or go the or town or the table no, the <laughs> town sorry people living in Blackpool but seriously I saw a toddler with tattoos smoking <laughs> a toddler <laughs> an actual toddler <laughs> maybe that's why they all want to go because it's just like a wild town and it's nothing uh, to do with like the night of dancing they just want well, to well I've like... got friends that work on Strictly um and Believe me, they all want to go because it's wild. It's a bit like their Las Vegas, what happens in Blackpool. I'll say no more. Oh, interesting. That's the last thing the Strictly oh, Lot wow. did. Like more scandal. Pass. Yeah, like Jesus <laughs> Christ. Tom, what else have you got? Um, I finished the last series of Atlanta with Donald Glover. There was a weird, the final episode with Vanessa was very weird in Paris. Um, but it, most of the episodes in that series were good. Uh, and then I went to see Kendrick as well at the O2, um, which was very good. It was very theatrical. There was this incredible dance troupe pulling like amazing, you know, like modern dance moves that you don't see at pop concerts. You certainly don't see at hip hop gigs either. And the stage design and the lighting was incredible. And the, the songs were great. The crowd was good. Some of the the kind of, theatre and the stage design I think was kind of lost in a 20,000 capacity arena but he is the gig 
was very good, maybe not as good as his last tour for Dam, but he is one of the definitely one of the best artists working today. So that was very enjoyable. That's all really. And then Strictly. Was it the same dance troupe, the, the sort of people who would who did the Glastonbury? Yeah, it was quite there. similar. It was quite similar to Glastonbury, and it was kind of split into acts like Glastonbury was. But yeah, those that dance troupe that he has with him, this sort of very sort of um, ba- ballet kind of influenced dancing was yeah that that was incredible. And he and it was the whole thing was very tightly choreographed. He wasn't like a kind of typical rapper on stage running about all over the place and kind of. Um, uh, being very spontan- uh, spontaneous, it was all very tightly choreographed, to, to, and the the lighting and the videos and everything was was uh, really beautifully designed. I think it was it was really good. Very cool. Because we were you going to go, Charlie, but you didn't end up getting tickets, or was um, it just one of those things? I suppose to be honest, you've literally just had another child. Yeah, so. had had tickets <laughs> turned out wildly ambitious. Um, to, to get out to a show just yet but we're going this week and in fact Tom and I are going to the same gig we're going to see Phoenix uh, in Brixton on Wednesday um, oh my god Phoenix your favourites my faves yeah Emily and I are going can't wait it's very exciting oh my god um, Emily's going as well with yeah with just we've gave got, birth that's very impressive yeah he's five it'll be five and a half weeks so he's old enough to put himself to bed that's sure, fine yeah. Isn't it? yeah it's all good um, I so yeah Phoenix live will be definitely my pick i'm sure next week very excited about that um musically elsewhere for me just to grab the the mic quite literally um i think i've just about made my way through all five of the salt albums um i wouldn't be able to tell you sort of which songs belong to which because i've just kind of had them on but and they're all on streaming now so salt the sort of mysterious kind of uk soul collective dropped five albums um, out of the blue a couple of weeks ago. You could download them for five days, but now they're on streaming. Um, Just really, really exceptional music. And to have five albums is like just some weird Christmas day kind of shit, but really, really good. The Ezra Collective album as well is the other one I wanted to shout out. Um, Just super fun UK jazz. It's called Where I Meant to Be. It's not UK jazz in the sort of, chin strokey kind of ultra east london-y way although they are kind of east london but just it's so it's so kind of irresistibly it's party music really it's just really fun music that is super easy to get into it's kind of gateway to the more um the more pretentious sort of london jazz scene but ezra collective is superb um thoroughly recommend that and also um Second season of uh, White Lotus, I think, is just brilliant. And I'm very excited to stop uh, talking in a minute and go and watch episode three of the second series Um, because I thought I was a bit worried because I loved the first season so much. And I thought the first half of the first episode, I was like, oh, am I not going to find these characters as interesting? But... The writing is just spectacularly good. Just love being out in Italy. It makes me wish it was the summer again. Just spectacularly good TV. So yeah, second series of White Lotus is my TV pick. It's different people this time, right? Apart, like from, one... apart from Jennifer Coolidge, which yeah. is terrific because she's uh, she's spectacularly good in everything she does. 
yeah. I read a review of um oh god what's the Netflix show that everyone was watching recently um The Watcher um she's in that we watched that don't watch that that's terrible I would not recommend watching that but she's in that and I read the Guardian review of that said that um the best thing about Jennifer Coolidge is that she always the sensation you get from watching her is that she's been preparing for another scene for another show and then just sort of wanders on and just does that and that just captures her brilliantly she's just pure chaos in the best possible yes. way and she's goes up a level in this second season of uh, the white lotus brilliant we love her going up a level in part two i like it <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're going to cling to billy what's going on with you um, so I saw Wakanda Forever on Saturday, which was, I was not going to talk about it too much because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, so it was uh, incredible. Um, I, don't, I can't like, imagine the pressure that Ryan Coogler felt making this film after everything that happens. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm not going to go into it in a, on any level, but it was amazing. And everything that I wanted it to be, it was. And, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're obviously, as I know, any sort of fan of the franchise or just amazing people in general if you're a fan of Chadwick Boseman then you will not be disappointed in like the way that they um deal with that situation in the film that was really really good um I know we have to have maybe over the World Cup because I, I know we can't really get into it right now but um we're gonna have to talk about Andor at some point as well because that's the best tv show that I'm watching but we're gonna have to leave that for another pod I'm sure but yeah let's let's talk Andor soon because it's just fucking amazing so we'll come yeah. forever and Andor Sure. Yeah, Andor is. I'm so glad you said that about Wakanda Forever because I haven't had a chance to see it yet. And I was obviously sort of, oh, I hope they're going to make it work. And it really sounds like they did. So I'm really thrilled. Yeah, Andor's, Andor's my pick. Andor's my pick. And I was a bit like, how we need to have a conversation about it. How do we have a conversation about this? Not just like full of spoilers. Can we just say one way out? <laughs> yes. And well, I, actually, I can't. I can't say what I was going to say. But, no, we can't even say. We can't say I the other thing. We can't say the other thing. Some of the speeches in this show, man, fucking yeah. amazing. What well, what I think we Serkis. can say? Andy Circus. Andy Circus is incredible. Um, Selena Skarsgård is incredible. Um, what I love about it so much is I love how much they've just lent into the whole. This is a world run by Nazis. And they've like removed all of the kind of magic. There's no Jedi's. There's no, there's, it's all humans really. There's not even any aliens in it, right? Um, and hardly any droids. It's just, this is what happens. I found it quite hard going to begin with because I found it quite, that's just what happens if you're going to make a show about ordinary people living under a super repressive regime. It's just actually quite depressing and bleak and hard work. And then as they just kind of ramped it up, it just reminded me, like, House of the Dragon sort of is the other side of things I like, where I like shows about, you know, um, like political intrigue and royals and convoluted, fa like, royal family trees and all of that stuff and dragons. And then this is, like, the other side of where it's just ordinary people just fighting against something so big and terrifying and they just it's a fantasy show but they take it so fucking seriously and i love it like yeah, it made me um made me realize that we very much need to start a revolution in this country though which yeah. um let's do that let's, let's do, do that. it yeah because they're, they're fucking doing it right now they're doing the revolution and fucking revoluting all right <laughs> <laughs> we're ready for it we're ready for it um 
what a ridiculous it was not even a half season this is the weird thing about it right we've just we've not even like like thank 15 god 15 games way. it's mad 15 yeah. games and then now we've got to go and watch or not watch a world cup and hope our players come home not broken um we'll be here i guess throughout the world cup kind of we'll figure out how to do that because i know no one <laughs> wants to miss our culture picks right <laughs> <laughs> um in the meantime yeah uh, God bless Harry Kane keep him safe um, Billy will you see us out that was first <laughs> <laughs>